G'day, I'm Adam Spencer and this is City Talks, brought to you by the City of Sydney. City Talks is about starting a conversation, a healthy community discussion about important and innovative global, national and local city issues. In this podcast, we feature some curated highlights from the City Talks public speaker series, recorded live at Sydney Town Hall. Cities may cover only 2% of the Earth's surface, but they're home to more than half the world's population. In Australia, our cities are home to over 80% of us, and cities are responsible for 75% of the greenhouse gas emissions that could propel us towards catastrophic climate change. But if cities are responsible for a share of the damage, they're also where we can make the biggest cuts in emissions. How do we unify governments to get real action and leadership on climate change? Well, if you want some insight into political leadership, who better to ask than a former politician? Dr John Hewson is currently a professor at the Crawford School of Public Policy at the ANU. He's a former leader of the Federal Liberal Party and one of Australia's most respected political and economic commentators. Many people might also know John Hewson for his outspoken comments on climate change. Alongside the overwhelming majority of scientists, Dr Hewson agrees that climate change is the most significant challenge facing society today. On being asked to speak about political leadership on climate change, John Hewson delivers one of the funniest lines I've heard at a city talk. Take it away, Dr John Hewson. Good evening. Let me begin by paying my respects too to the Gadigal people on whose land we're meeting this evening. And to, and to pay my respects particularly to their elders past, present and future. And might I add a personal comment, I look forward to the day where we genuinely recognise the significance of the first Australians in our constitution. <clears throat> I was asked to speak briefly tonight on political leadership. As I thought about it, I thought it might be one of the shortest speeches I've ever given. There's not an awful lot to say about political leadership. Because politics in my lifetime has become increasingly short-term, increasingly opportunistic, increasingly populist, uh, mostly negative these days, sometimes very personal. So the big issues do not get addressed. They're left to drift and and, uh, pass the legacy of that failure to address those issues on to next generations. I consider it to be intergenerational theft when we don't solve the budget deficit problem, when we push the debt to the next generation, or we don't deal with climate change, we push that to the next generation or generations to come. We don't deal with the housing affordability properly, we push that again to future generations. This is a significant downside of what has been an alarming drift, I think, in the quality of our politics and political debate. Uh, One of the big issues, of course, that uh, we're focusing on this evening is climate change and energy policy. And look at where we've ended up in this country in terms of energy policy. With electricity and gas prices running away as a direct consequence of the fact that successive governments, state and federal, have not addressed that issue as it unfolded. I feel particularly strongly about the challenge of climate change because back in 1993 in my election campaign, I had an environment policy. I'm sure nobody read it. They got distracted by this thing called the GST. But in that environment policy, we called for a 20% cut in emissions by the year 2000 off a 1990 base. We're still waiting 
to see an explanation for a 5% reduction in emissions by 2020 off a 2000 base. And under the Paris Accord, we've made a commitment to 26 to 28% reduction in emissions by 2030, with absolutely no strategy by which we're going to achieve that. We need to make a transition to a low carbon society, to a society where we change our behaviour significantly to recognise the reality of the need to reduce emissions. And yet I don't see anything in this government or successive governments, in fact, that is genuinely going to address that in a medium-term structural sense. And as I say, to the extent that we don't deal with these issues, we are just kicking the challenges down the road and leaving them to future generations. Now, it's not an easy thing, of course, to change behaviour and to change the industrial base of our system. It takes time. But when you see politicians kicking the issue down the road, it's as if they believe that the aim, for example, of emissions reduction is net zero emissions by 2050. It's as if they believe they can wait till 2049 and then suddenly get up and make the changes that are required. And of course, that isn't the case. We're changing behaviour over a long period of time. We're changing the way we, we use power, the way we transport ourselves, significant challenges to, uh, to be addressed. And one of the great failures, I think, in terms of uh, global and domestic political leadership is the urgency of that challenge has not been recognised. I mean, I think it's true to say that we are at or very close to a tipping point where it will become too late to change behaviour to achieve net zero emissions by 2050. And I think that's a, a major tragedy, a major bottom line, if you like, of the political system that we, we now have to adhere to. When I look uh, around the world, of course, we've seen evidence of the Paris Climate Agreement, a very significant step forward. What was it, 196 countries that managed to sign that agreement? One, of course, has stepped out of that process right now. The United States, at least for now, foreshadowed an intention to step out. It does take, I think, about two or three years to take effect, so maybe um, other circumstances will change in the meantime. But uh, when governments are not making the decisions that are required to facilitate the transition to this low-carbon society, I've been impressed by the fact that other levels of government, when national governments aren't doing it, other levels of government, state governments, city governments, the business community, the broader civil society, has actually moved quite significantly and decisively to solve the problem. In this country, of course, we've seen a very rapid rollout of rooftop solar. I think we have probably one of the highest incidences of rooftop solar per capita anywhere in the world. We um, have seen uh, a number of governments, well, in the United States, when Trump says he will not sign, uh, will not uh, commit to the Paris Accord, state governments, city governments, business community have moved decisively to fill the gap. And I suspect you'll see that the Chinese, in an international sense, will probably do more. The Europeans will probably do more in order to achieve this medium-term objective. But it's not an easy transition to make. As an economist, of course, I have an easy answer. We put a price on carbon, and that will drive the sort of transition that is required from coal-fired power, if you focus on electricity generation, through to, um, to renewable energy. But of course, in this country, we've ruled out an emissions trading scheme that would have effectively put a price on carbon. Then we ruled out an emissions intensity scheme, which would have put an effective price on carbon. 
And now the government has the Finkel Review, which has made very clear recommendations for uh, a third best alternative, a clean energy target, which again would drive that process of change and give a sense of certainty moving forward. Uh, and that's still being debated. Finkel made 50 recommendations, 49 have been accepted. The one, the clean energy target, has been left. And every day when I turn around in the media, I find another solution. More or less coal, more or less gas, more or less renewables. Snowy Hydro one day, new coal-fired power station the next. But no consistency of response, no political leadership in terms of the magnitude of the task and the urgency of the task that is there. So it's, uh, to me, a continuing frustration in my own lifetime. And when I hear politicians walk around this country talking of jobs and growth, and yet I see some of the most shovel-ready projects in this country to be renewable energy projects, I'm staggered that they are not being encouraged and facilitated uh, by political, national political leadership. I mean, this country has lost thousands and thousands of jobs and billions of dollars of investment. If uh, we adhered to the sort of emissions reduction targets that I announced in the early 90s, I, I think back of how much more we would have achieved and how much further down the path to net zero emissions by 2050 we would have been. But the tragedy is we aren't seeing that sort of leadership. And until we get that sort of leadership, we are going to, I think, be in a very difficult position where our children and our grandchildren will be left to pick up the tag. And um, when I think about most politicians I know, you hear them say we're in the business of politics to the benefit of our children and our grandchildren and their children. I simply say, really. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Dr John Hewson. If you want to hear more from other experts passionately committed to enhancing life in our cities, download City Talks from wherever you get your podcast fix. And if you're listening to us in Sydney, keep your eye out for more live City Talk events on the City of Sydney website. I'm Adam Spencer. Bye-bye.